Welcome to the Die Living Podcast. Uh, you're here with Doug and Aaron and John Dill is with us again this week. And we actually have a new employee at Softly with us, Brooke. She is our dietitian. Uh, we just brought her on because we're expanding our resources into the nutrition field. Um, you guys, we got a great podcast ahead. We're going to be talking about like how to fuel your body and um, we'll be doing it with science. Broadcasting from everywhere and nowhere, the Misfit Crew at Southfleet HQ is proud to bring you the Dive Living Podcast. I like it. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about why what we're doing and why we're doing it specifically with respect to soft leap programming uh and the app well, tell me man this is <clears throat> this is your realm like i was perfectly content providing dumbed down workouts to freaking nugs and being like hey get stronger and eat what you want and you were like hey man nutrition might be a good idea and i was like <laughs> um, actually that's an excellent idea this is why you get the big bucks right well uh yeah so i think you know, one of the things, without hopefully sounding too cheesy, is that, you know, truly everything we do here at Softleet, we're really trying to constantly question what can we do to make it better, what can we do to fix it, you know, what do our customers need more of, what do they don't, you know, what do they not need so we can streamline things uh, and continually just evolve to provide a better product. And one of the things that I think we were seeing was that guys were having a lot of questions about nutrition um, and really, I think just being totally confounded by like where to start, It's right? the misinformation, um, right? Like yeah, I would like to tons refer- Tons of misinformation and one of those things that, sorry. No, I know. Like, you know, you, you see guys post something on Facebook or in a forum and it's like, hey, I'm doing this program, like what should I eat? And then there's like 80 different responses. Of, <laughs> and they're all counter you know, each other. Yeah, like none of them make sense or, or and they're every you know, conversation 180 stops degrees away from each saying, other. Have you tried keto? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. And Fuck you. Really, you know, if there is a nugget of good information in, in that thread or whatever, it gets you know, lost. it's totally buried, yep. right? And the only way you would know it was good was if you already knew the answer. You weren't even asking or the you question. Knew, or you right? trusted the one person, right? But like, how do you vet, like, I'm a fucking Yeah, idiot. you don't If you people don't know, listen to me, right? they've clearly started <clears throat> on the wrong foot. Right. Which is why we brought in subject matter expert, yeah, Brooke. And I think... To go back to a, f- a friend of mine who is a, a really competitive cyclist, he's a Cat One road racer, um, you know, he said something which he didn't come up with, but I thought really summed it up really well <clears throat> years, ago, <clears throat> years ago, which was, you know, strength is found in the gym, like weight is found or lost in the kitchen. And really, you know, that, that whether you're, you're putting on mass or leaning out or however you're changing your body composition, has way more to do with the what you're inputting into your body, food-wise. Let's be real. Then most of us are only working out to look better naked, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's I'm true. Not, like, oh, I really want that 600-pound deadlift that John talked about last week, but yeah. not really. I just want to look like I have a 600-pound. Not deadlift. worth it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, not trying to say it. that the exercise doesn't affect body compos- yeah, composition. Yeah. However, like the nutritional component affects it much absolutely more significantly. Um, and I think for us, what we you know what we decided. Um, 
was that really if we we're going to continue to offer a top level product and you know be giving people like high volume programming that we're just going to see more and more of our customers have these questions and it was our responsibility to actually provide something <coughs> that was you know a, le a legitimate diet and meal plan to complement the programs that we were offering um, and also to just offer a standalone to people you know that are doing other programming but still need something they can follow easily um, you know we went out and decided that we wanted to bring someone in full time to do that, that this was gonna be like a really serious project for us. Which the hiring process um, was more of a serious project than I had anticipated. Well, this, the hiring process was, was, was big, but I, I think that, you know, to go back and quote like another adage, and I don't know who, who's the guy that is, uh, you know, originally said this, or at least it should be. Unattributed quote to follow. Yeah, it, or it should, I'm sure it should be attributed to some, some smart dude in like Silicon Valley or something. Um, <laughs> but I love the quote, hire slowly, like fire quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and it's basically, you know, be really careful about who you bring in the door and then kind of like set the standard high and make sure that you're maintaining that standard. And if you have someone that's like poisonous or bad for your, your culture, to oh, Brian's over there like sweating bullets, um, <laughs> you know, to uh, yeah, to kind of cut cut the cord and and I, not to go too deep down a rabbit hole, but you know, at the butcher shop, like one of our other businesses, we saw we we saw a guy who was like a really bad dude, uh, just for the culture of the of the place, come in. We didn't get rid of him quickly enough. He basically taught that to mm -hmm. the next guy, yep. Yep. and we saw like habits from this guy, like Permeating, two generations yeah. yep. of employees later, uh, and it was like holy fuck, like that's what Max said. He hasn't even been here for three years, <laughs> and like this dude that's saying it didn't even work with him. Yeah, you know, it's um, amazing, man. But it's still in you know the amount of effort then that it took for us to like clean that culture out of the shop. Um, you know, really was, was gargantuan. So, you know, for us, we want to make sure we don't get into that place at Softlead, and that's why the hiring process was, well, no, I think, I, as, as thorough as I don't it think was. that, I mean, the <clears throat> process was clearly well-defined. I think that I guess I wanted to use that as a segue to talk about the fact that, like, when Brooke showed up, uh, she, we interviewed her, and um, we had... We, we interviewed a large number of candidates and Brooke and all the other candidates sent sample work in. Like we sent out a request like, hey, can you guys put together a week's worth of menu like a, for this athlete, for a sample athlete? And we looked at so many samples that they really all bled together and I was waiting to talk to people. I was gonna pull up their sample when they walk in, you look at what they did, ask them questions about it and go through the logic and see what kind of dietitian they were based on like what they'd submitted. And I was always struck, like, for a majority of the candidates we interviewed, there was, like, a kind of an academically lazy approach. There was, like, I've been doing it this way. Like, you know, it's a 20-year-old method for doing something. And they were not, like, um, they weren't really plugged into what we were doing as far as, like, you know, lifestyle, you know, that we're pushing. And I know that the biggest thing that initially when we talked about Brooke was, like, Brooke's Instagram attracted us because it was, like, very centered on food, uh, and tasty looking food, right? So I, you're like, hey, look at this girl's Instagram. I'm like, um, yeah, okay, well, that is a pretty awesome Instagram. The photography was great. The, you know, all of her 
composure of the you know, the plating was very good. And then like she showed up and I had not fully investigated the the meal plan that she put together and like the meal plan that she did was super thorough. She had done her homework on what softly like what our agenda yep. was, our ethos. She used softly supplements <clears throat> in her meal plan. So like she was supplementing um, cause she realized like we have athletes that have really high protein intake and larger athletes right. that are very active. So like she was supplementing the way that we supplement performance wise with, you know, like protein shakes, but they weren't just like, Oh, take a softly protein shake. It was like, Hey, I'm going to make this like creamsicle delicious, like <clears throat> designer shake. And I'm like, that actually sounds super yeah. delicious. Well, <laughs> it's interesting because I think, you know, we, we put out this task for the people that we brought in to interview, which was basically to create like a sample week of meal planning. Um, and I think all of us that were reviewing it, like, or almost looking at it from kind of different like review criteria. Um, you know, Bill obviously was looking at it like more technically in terms of like what are the recipes and like what do the numbers look like. Um, and for me, it was less about our, you know, like, are you hitting like the macros or calories that we were looking for and more about like, how did you approach this problem? What was the process you used to solve it? And like, what do you I want to eat that? Well, it was also like, <laughs> were you willing to put in the work to do this knowing that you might not get the job? And the answer for a lot of the people that we interviewed was like, Hey, I know you asked for seven days. Like I did one day, and like you could extrapolate this to like seven days. It's well, like, and man, combined, you just wasted the, your fucking yeah. time so doing one day. Yeah. I would just like, like you should have done zero days. Yeah, should have like, gone all in or nothing. Seven, <laughs> yeah. you know? But we're talking um, about like we're, we're talking about coming to work for a company that's full of like self starters that took a jump off a cliff to make something happen. Right. Like we're you know like and and to Brooke's credit, like I'm just telling you, like what impressed me the most about Brooke is that. A, Brooke just wrapped up her master's degree program at the University of Mississippi, and she drove up here for the interview with yep. a friend. Like, she didn't take any other interviews. She saw the job posting with a random startup that she had no idea who we were or what we did. She liked what we said, and she was like, eh, I'm going to get that job. Right. And I was like, yeah. I really like yeah. this. Yeah. Well, so, thank you. With that, let's Brian's let's like welcome. shaking his head. Like, he's like, what, what an idiot. <laughs> let's like, welcome Brooke to the podcast. Or they're going to like it. No, that initial buy-in is everything, right? Yeah, so, what's yeah. up, Brooke? Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, Brooke, so can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to follow nutrition as a career path and why Softly was the only job you applied for? Uh, well... I got into nutrition actually because I started having health problems uh, right around probably like age 19. I started getting a lot of migraines due to like multiple head traumas from like really stupid accidents like falling off the playground as a child and car accidents and stuff. So I found this really awesome neurologist and she was willing to work with me because I didn't want to rely on like modern medicine. I wanted to take a different approach. So I started vitamin therapy and changing my diet because this was a time in my life where I just started on my own going to college. I thought like Chef Boyardee was culinary genius and like ramen was the best, you know, thing on earth. So I really switched my Top entire ramen lifestyle. Is delicious, sorry. It is delicious. <laughs> I haven't had that any cannot sense. be disputed. But when I started to change my lifestyle, I really I haven't had a migraine since, I haven't had health problems. And so after doing this research for myself, I was like, I think this is pretty cool. I think this could help a lot of people if they realize nutrition can really impact their life in a positive way. Awesome. 
So you decided to get your master's and become a registered dietitian nutritionist. Yeah. And I mean, <clears throat> why specifically that way rather than, you know, kind of going maybe like a less scientific route, if that's the, the right way to put it, um, you know, just kind of trying to write a cookbook or, you know, doing something else where you'd be working with nutrition, um, but maybe kind of less, you know, I don't want to say like authentic, but uh, from, again, yeah, less scientific kind of perspective. I'm a big believer in the science. Like, I've always been, ever since I was a kid, like, tell me why, show me why. So when it comes to nutrition, like, the science behind it is the most fascinating part. And you hear so many people on social media, you see so many cookbooks, and they're people who haven't even studied nutrition. They're kind of just, this is the misinformation you were kind of referencing, is all this stuff is out there. But as a Have registered you dietitian, TRT? you can sift through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... That's kind of why I took that approach. And to be a registered dietitian is a really hard path. I didn't even realize what I was in for. Because you go to college, you do your four years of undergrad, and then you complete an internship of 1,500 practice hours. And we're in the field doing everything from hospitals to outpatient um, to athletes. So you're really getting that hands-on experience. And then I decided to finish my master's. And my master's is actually in health promotion because you start to see that the relationship between nutrition and exercise and these other aspects of health is just as important as the science of nutrition itself. And a lot of what I studied was also the behavior. So why do people choose to eat healthy or not eat healthy? If I write somebody a meal plan, why do they not follow it? So I wanted to understand kind of the psychology of like why people make decisions. So that's kind of why I did that for my master's. Well, and what did you learn? <laughs> I learned that no matter how hard you try to set somebody up, they really have to be motivated internally in the end to do it, and that your environment plays a really big role. So as a professional, like I want to try and break down some of those barriers for people. So um, like example, if you don't have a gym in your area, but there's one near your work, break down that barrier by bringing your clothes, pack a gym bag, do something to make it easier for you to reach those goals. Well, I like it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and Aaron, midday bike rides. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm not against <laughs> midday bike rides, Doug. All oh, I'll, mountain bikes. I don't know about that. Let's just be clear that Doug is bringing a full suspension downhill bike. <laughs> you can for, see, I'm, you can't midday, see me grinning and nodding my head right now. Yeah. Midday bike <laughs> rides shit, on yeah, like yeah. flat paved trails around. For Brown. the record, they're rolling hills. And they're really fun to do bunny hops over curbs. And I don't know why you got to be so judgy when all you're like, hey, let's take a beach cruiser out. <laughs> I will be riding a hipster single speed nice. and possibly donning a fedora. <laughs> I feel like I like we have it. different fitness agendas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shred all the gnar. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm going to ride this bike to Everybody after settle down. <laughs> Watch me bunny hop down these steps, dude. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so yeah, Brooke, super, super impressive. Like, I don't, I also don't think that you're the world's best self-promotionist because over the course of you working here for what, two weeks now, uh, every time we talk, I find out something new and exciting about Brooke that she like neglected to mention during her like, Hey, I'm going to sell myself to you moment. So like <laughs> Brooke is like a competitive swimmer during college. Oh, wow. She's done triathlete stuff. Like. And, oh, I just didn't mention that when I was interviewing at a, at a fitness company. You know, you're like, I'm so Still got the job, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. 
good for you. Yeah. Right on. I'm a big believer in hard work. So I knew that I was coming straight from school and I wanted, I knew that I needed my work to speak for itself. So I just like poured it all into that. And I was just like, hopefully they can see what I'm capable of. I like that you saw our enthusiasm for that. Like you said, I'm a firm believer in hard work. And Brian gave you the lackluster hand job. Like, like, <laughs> he was like, wah, wah. <laughs> I feel like Brooke may already be the hardest worker at Softly. Oh, uh, Doug all... commented this morning. He's like, man, every time I look over, Brooke's like actually doing work. <laughs> I'm just wearing a Louis Vuitton buff. That shit counts. <laughs> robe. That shit counts. That shit I counts. walked outside to go buy donuts this morning and one You're of the home- cat calls man <laughs> one of the homeless ladies right. like where you stay at and I was like at the hotel madam and she was like I knew it I knew it indeed yeah I have to have a Jean-Paul Gaultier overnight bag <laughs> for returning videotapes I know people can't see this but it's it's my goal to make sure you have a plate carrier and mag pouches made out in the the die living Vuitton pattern. This is for uh, to impress all of my State Department cohorts. Right, shit is but, awesome. Uh, well, so Brooke, after after we hired you, you mentioned that this was the only job you applied for. I did. Can you tell us why that is the case? A lot of the jobs in nutrition field are kind of boring. They're very like sterile. This is what it is. Here's your rule book. You follow the rule book. Um, and so I could kind of been watching like monster.com. Indeed, I had been like checking all the resources I knew to look for jobs in cities I was interested in. And I'd been looking at them for a long time and I really hadn't seen anything where I was like, wow, I want to do this. So I read this description and I immediately kind of started like, I was like, that's me. Like in the you part, it's like you need to love to cook and travel and like and all these different things describing like your passion for food. And I was like, that's me because I'm not just a dietitian. That's my job. Like I actually am a total foodie as cheesy as it sounds. Like I love food. I love to cook. I love the occasional donut. Like I'm a human. So I got super excited and applied to this job and only this job. And I didn't want to go anywhere else till I kind of like saw it through and see what happened. Cause like I really wanted this job. Well, welcome cool. to, yeah. welcome to a den of iniquity full of people <laughs> who say things that embarrass even me on the regular. Right. <laughs> During our tech meeting this morning with the uh, Fugitive Labs guys, I walked in and said something, and Eric at Fugitive Labs goes, well, I'm not sure why that surprised me. <laughs> I felt as though you couldn't surprise me anymore, and I was like, man, I'm not even the most reprehensible person that works at this company. <laughs> that, that is actually true. Um, I feel like... I'm a bastion of moral courage compared to some of the people you just, here. You just don't hold it in as, as well. <laughs> Look, man, so. if, you, if you advertise what your bag of bullshit is, as Brent says, and you, like, you're unassailable. Like People might be critical of it, but in the end, you're like, oh, no, that's, uh, I already told you about that. I already like, owned what that, are you, yeah. What are you complaining about? Yeah. So, well, so John, what most of your athletes, especially like the higher level athletes, or I mean, we can address both. I think it's really interesting because this will be, I think, really speak to soft league clients as well. Sure. Um, for both the higher level athletes and people that are completely new, walking in you know, off the street, like... I want to get in shape, I want to lose weight, whatever my goal is. And I really don't know anything about like fitness or nutrition. Mm-hmm. You know, the f- nutrition component is like really important to right. achieving their goals. So, Absolutely. you know, you guys obviously have the, f- the fitness side like, right. dialed in really well. 
you know, what are you guys doing in the gym to address the nutrition side? Right. So we, we have a, 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 a coach, so to speak, that they can go get additional, like a, an actual meal plan from if they want to sign. But it's, she's, she's kind of independent on her own and, and, and does that through her, her own um, uh, her own resources or whatnot. You know, we, we just give big people just basic guidelines, right? So it's kind of paleo-ish guidelines for your average person. Say, hey, eat a lot of lean meat, all the vegetables you want. We don't want you to be hungry. Um, you know, uh, uh, with both my competitive athletes and just my normal people, you know, if you're don't starve yourself, if you're having trouble getting enough calories with meat and vegetables, eat some white rice, you know, and just stick to the basics with a lot of people. If they're working out hard and they're getting, they're getting that daily stimulus in, we just say, Hey, 50% of it is that what you're doing in the, in the gym and the other 50% of the benefits you could reap from this is going to be what you're doing the other 23 hours of the day to include how much you're resting and, and, and just as important, probably more importantly, what you're putting in your body. Right. So we say it's it's more about like what not to eat, you know, no sugars, no processed stuff, no sodas, and you'd be surprised, you know, it's pr- like for this group of people, that's pretty much common knowledge. But there's people that still look at me like, no soda, like yeah, man, no fucking soda. John, what, yeah. about, what about diet soda? <laughs> yeah, what, what about the diet stuff? Like, oh yeah, if you yeah, if you want cancer, go go for it, right? So yeah. um, we just stick with those basic guidelines because in the beginning, for a lot of our clients. Um, you know, contrary to what a lot of people think, you know, working out is it, a lot of times is something they haven't done in years and years or something they're brand new to. So we want them to focus on getting that stimulus first, right? Because if you're not dedicated to, to the training, um, you know, until you really get dialed in as a more of an optimal level athlete, you know, it's my contention that you don't need to get super scientific about your diet, right? You know, sure. meat, meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some white rice, some vegetables. Keep it simple. If 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 something comes in a in a in a big huge plastic package or is super processed, then you probably shouldn't eat it. And then Brooke's nodding her head. I feel like this is a good time for her to chime in right yes. now. Yeah. Brooke, <laughs> understand? You can step all over John it's, Dill. You can yeah. be like, John, Unab- shut up! I'm going to interject now. <laughs> <It's> impossible, <laughs> impossible to offend me. So no, I just now think he's absolutely right. I'm just nodding my head. Yes. Yeah. I think that like. I always say shop the outside edges of the store because mm. if you're going in the middle, it's in a box and it's in a bag and it's right. had something added to it to make it be able to sit on a shelf mm. and it's not good for you. They made it awesome. You can't hear that. Yeah. Brian's con- contribution is like, is that awesomeness that they added to the box? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what kind of the like the military equivalent would be for this but I know for myself you know going to college was kind of the first time I really had to make like food decisions for Mm -hmm. myself right and I was also (laughs) yeah I mean well I was also really broke and you know kind of not living a super healthy lifestyle Mm -hmm. Um, in fact going back to ramen there was one point where our dorm burned down (laughs) and uh they let us all out of our leases, uh, like our dorm lease, and yeah. gave us all the rest of the money to go get apartments for like the last three months of the year. And we had no homework or tests. We had like a moratorium from the dean for like three weeks. Wow. So we basically took all this money and like rented. We got so these, like, fucked up. <laughs> we were so <laughs> This story is not going to go honestly. My the, kids will one day listen to this podcast, right, isn't the, it? <laughs> that was, we, we threw what was the shortest party I'd ever been to at college. <laughs> which we went and bought 30 cases of Mickey's. Yeah, and that party solid that investment. party lasted solid less investment. than an hour. Like everyone was just like either passed out or like throwing like up throwing in the bathroom, up yeah. and like fucking done. Malt liquor is a good choice, but everyone also basically spent like three months worth of money in like two weeks, yeah. right? 
And so responsible decisions are the forte of college. Right. Mm-hmm. In in our in our apartment, we actually lived on ramen, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner for thirty days while we basically like tried mm. to save up some cash. Sounds like my wife's diet. Stuff. Uh, we had a giant. We had like a five-pound tub of country crock, <laughs> and like a case of ramen. Yeah. It was like boil that shit, fry that shit, like yeah. bake it, whatever you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, then getting out of school, you're kind of you know living on your own, maybe or maybe with a roommate. And if you you know never learned to cook at that point, it's like hard to learn. And you know, there's all these like really easy options, especially if you're living in like an urban area, you can go out to eat really easily or, you know, you go to the supermarket and it's like meal for one versus if you cook, it's like harder a lot of times to cook for one person. Well, I mean, honestly, um, I, I think that we, me personally, and a lot of people that I've known in the military, specifically in the soft community, um, as single soft guys, always like look to maximize our BAH because like, hey man, I want to make our basic allowance for housing is like, you can spend it however you want. So like I bought a house and had four roommates in the house with me. So like, you know, those guys paid me 350 bucks a month each and they paid my mortgage and my BAH was spent on, you know, responsible things like, you know, uh, fat bottom girls or whatever it is that we were currently, you know, I, I was a big fan of sharkies at the time. So with 40 inch tires. <laughs> yeah. As we, were, we were definitely buying a lot of toys and stuff at the time. Right. So, um, we had, you know, kind of a cooperative going on at the house where we would have different nights of the week that we cooked. And if you were a shitty cook, you can bet people were going to shame you into making something better the next time. And then, you know, you always had, like, the gorilla. Like, we had a guy, Alan Shabaro, who owns a gym down in uh, Texas now, used to do things like he would cook dinner for us, and we'd show up, and there'd be, like, a stack of hamburgers on a platter. <laughs> and you'd be like, like, awesome, man, thanks for cooking, Alan. You Because know, this guy's just, I mean, like, an absolute savage, right? And he's like, and we, you know, I'm eating a hamburger. I'm like, this is a great dinner. He's like, dinner? Those are appetizer hamburgers. <laughs> I'm cooking steaks for dinner. And you're like, you're like what? Like, you just cooked 30 hamburgers. You know that only five dudes live in this house, right? And you'd be like, better eat four apiece, you know, because like, I'm eating the rest. And you're like, all right, like this dude, like I remember like my fondest memory of Alan is the constant uptake of Metamucil bottles because his, his body, oh, his, his diet could not keep up with the amount of protein constantly being jammed into his body, right? Yeah. But like everybody at the house had specific dishes that became their favorite, that they were good at, that mm-hmm. were healthy, and we all cooked for each other. And then you know we would like meal prep that the leftovers to last during the week from where we went. But I know that like most people don't have that crucible of culinary skill, you know, where they learn based on people's threats. Like if I had not cooked a good dinner for Alan, Alan would have separated my head from my shoulders and laughed about it, right? Like, Alan was a scary dude. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the most important things about having a solid meal program is basically, like, giving people exactly what to do. Like, everything, right? So there's no questions. It's not... You know, in fact, like, John, what you were saying, I think Mm -hmm. oftentimes people... People get really easily freaked out, I feel yeah. like, you know, yeah. and it's like, oh, I know you said I could eat protein, but like, is this too much? Like, so you said I, nuts were good, but know? if I eat all the nuts, that is yeah. a yeah. lot of well, right. or, right. or, you know, it is taken to that ex- extreme of like, all right, nuts are good, but I just crushed like three pounds of almonds. Right. <laughs> you know, was that, is that, does that mean that I was like, yeah. I did really good? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think, um, 
you know, it's really easy to get kind of into this like mm-hmm. downward spiral mm-hmm. of like, what happens if I eat like two, you know, two grams too much of this or, or I, you know, fuck up the proportion or right. whatever. And so I think in the beginning, while people are learning, it seems like giving them like, here's exactly what you need to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Yeah. Is like a really awesome way yeah. to kind of I think that's why stress out of it. Yeah, I think especially that's why the paleo diet was, was super popular yeah. in CrossFit was because not, not because it's the best performance diet, but because right. it's very clear guidelines yep. and it eliminates a lot of things from your diet that yeah. you would include if given the option, right? right? Like we get rid of sugars and we've already won a war. Yeah. Like, huge. Hey man, you're going to get rid of sugars. Right. And all this and, other stuff is just, and like, I'm sure with the clientele you guys are working with, right. They, they come to you cause they want a plan. Right. And I think there's, you know, I think like you said, there's, it's overwhelming how much misinformation there is and what's a, a viable plan and what's a credible uh, or a credible source. And then it's easy just to throw your hands up in the air and just say, fuck it. Right. Cause it's just, it's overload of information. So, you know, uh, what in, in my experience, you know, I've done the whole counting the macros thing, certain amount of protein, carbohydrates. And then, you know, at least for me personally, after doing that for a few weeks, you know, like, I was like, okay, I got it. I don't need to measure everything out. I don't need to look at it. You know, I, I have a pretty good idea, you know, what's what and what what to do. So, so people start with that structured plan just sure. to, to, especially. Well, ma- that's why macros are good, man. Right. So when yeah. we, we, we frame things by macros. Not, I mean. I hate, like, we have Brooke, the subject matter expert here, yeah. and I'm like, well, we pitch. Macros. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and the, you have to forgive us, Brooke, because, like, we're all, like, we're, like, pretenders to dietetics. Yeah. Like, we all have become aware about what is healthy for us or how to, you know, see results because we got became invested in that process. But, like, I know that no matter how informed I think I am, I'm still prone to putting out bad dietetic poop <laughs> like yeah. you know and people are like oh all these idiots talking in this thread and i'll chime in and say something i'm like i feel like i'm smart and informed on this right now but i do not have a degree yeah. and i do not know yeah there's another layer to it right just yeah. like anything yeah it's like yeah. i mean I'm, I'm not gonna name names but uh <laughs> someone at softly put together some nutritional stuff and then Brooke kind of edited it and was like, yeah, and this one's done with science. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Aww>, the slight <laughs> dig. Well, it's uh, the truth, I guess. Yeah, I know. It's cool. Uh, hey, have you tried Have you tried intermittent fasting? Like, I'm just going to, for the rest of this podcast, I'm going to chime in with all of the cliche right. bad advice things right. in the, in the, oh, diets don't work for you? Keto. Um, oh, you're fat. <laughs> have, you, have you gotten on TRT yet? Yeah. If not, I know a dude on the street corner that can hook you up with some test sipionate. You right, know, like, right. God forbid you get well, your blood levels tested. And so much of that stuff, too, is, again, going back to, like, you know, what are your goals, right? So if you're looking to compete in something, especially if there's, like, weight classes, exactly. you know, that is one thing. Yep. Um, you know, again, going back to my buddy that was a professional or, you know, basically semi-pro cyclist, it's like, you know... I'm gonna find out later this week that he was a paper boy. Right. It's like it's like this story is this story is taking on a life of its own. Like he was a semi-pro cyclist. <clears throat> Actually, right. he had a paper route in Jersey. <laughs> I saw him riding a bike once. Yeah. Um, no, but I think you know he would go through periods where when he was you know competing in the summertime he was like you know weighing out everything that he ate yep. and you know every every pound that he put on his body he was you know that could mean that half a second or one second or whatever, you know, the difference is between taking the podium or not taking the podium. 
Um, or, you know, guys that are like wrestlers that are looking to like maximize strength and power yeah. output versus, you know, mass. Right. Um, you know, it's totally different than I'm just looking to like be healthy or right. lose you know, a little weight. You know, optimal, exactly. optimal living is, yeah, it's, yeah, you know, it's especially the, the, the extremely competitive, even within the ex- competitive CrossFit community, there's some extremely competitive athletes that are like, man, I eat whatever. And other ones that just, just weigh everything out. I think a big thing is his personality type too. And, like we already touched on, if, if you're an athlete or just a normal person and you're wasting a lot of, uh, of time and emotional energy worrying about what to eat and when to eat, then, then having that plan will, will alleviate that, right? And th- You're listening a- to Aaron open a 32-ounce a canned beer right now. <laughs> <laughs> the so, you know, I think if, if that's your personality type, if you tend to obsess about having a, a plan, then, you know, getting with a nutritionist or having a plan, then then you free up that mental bandwidth to, to, to focus on your training or other aspects of your life, right? So, Sure. Yeah. Brooke, can you tell us a little bit about what we can expect to see on the coming Softleet Nutrition Program? I just got to see the sneak preview, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, but what's really exciting about this whole thing is that there's going to be really tasty recipes my big thing is people always say like healthy food tastes horrible. Mm, chicken or, and broccoli like, again. And that's boring. Like I don't want to eat that. I right. don't I really don't know a lot of people who do. Some people can be simple and that's fine and I know people like that, but I'm a big like flavor and taste person. So you'll definitely see a lot of like really good recipes and fun things like that that kind of give a twist to healthy so you're not just like eating a boring bland diet. But I think what's really unique about this entire thing is that it's going to be individualized completely to you. Your goals, your height, your weight, your age, your body fat, all these things are taken into consideration. And then the recipes are scaled directly to you. How do you meet your macros throughout the day and what does that look like for you? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Yeah, because I I think an excellent point there is, at least for me and for most most people I know, you you can start off with the whole, you know, baked chicken and steamed broccoli thing right but that's not sustainable like you i mean it, it i guarantee you yeah. chris used to i mean for certain people yeah. like chris used to tell me like I, I eat boring food and you're like like what do you mean he's like man i go to the grocery store and yeah. i buy some steam people can pr- do steam it man. fresh bags of vegetables and i buy chicken breasts and that's what i eat like yeah. that's it some people can do it i just know for me i can do i can do that shit because I've, I've tried i can do it for about six months and then the problem is when I throw when I throw it all out, it, it all goes out, and then I'm just I go yeah, back yeah, to eating yeah. whatever the fuck. Two I want. gallons of ice cream yeah. at a time. Yeah. I just love that stuff. That's so, why yeah. you see diets fail so much. That's, That's why you see thing. people have these like super restrictive lifestyles, and it's just not sustainable. Yeah. And that's why like. You I mean carrying a food uh, caddy everywhere with you with uh, like my pet peeve <laughs> you John man John like has that like mobile cooler like don't mind me brought my prep meals with me I'm like I've, you mean you don't want any of this ice cream like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man I mean like I think that uh, I mean I'm super excited to see what you bring up I'm more excited to have an actual subject matter expert on our social media front so that when people ask uninformed questions they get a well thought out answer from someone that we are like, Hey, this is where the buck stops. Right. From a professional. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because we can answer like, like George and myself and John, we, we answer clients all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, well, this is what worked for me, which is anecdotal. Right. Mm -hmm. And we hate anecdotal responses because it did work for us. But like my wife has been doing different diets constantly. Like she's actually adherent to them. And she gets super frustrated because I walk in the house and eat three times what she does and cheat three days a week on my food. And 
like drop body fat and she's like I put on four pounds I'm like yeah baby it's because you're like cleaning now like you know yeah. like you're doing a power lift it's all good yeah. she's like oh this is the worst yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like we have a variety of levels of you know athletes from both genders so it's really nice that we can have somebody be like talk to Brooke so like A we don't have to answer with anecdotal evidence and B we can start telling other dudes to shut the fuck up when they chime in with their anecdotal stuff, right. which, I mean, that's the cancer, right? Is everybody thinks they're an expert until they sit down with the doctor. Like, uh, have, you, have, you, have you gotten on WebMD? You know, like, <laughs> shut the fuck up, man. Like, there's a, shut the fuck there's up. There's a real doctor here, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, it just ends up confusing people that much more. Yep. Yeah, exactly. um, and then they get frustrated and they just throw the whole thing out, right? Yeah. So. Brooke, what would you say are the kind of like must have pieces of equipment people need in their kitchen to be able to kind of cook well and uh, you know prepare food and and succeed just from having kind of the right stuff around right stuff is honestly more simple than you would think Um, basic skillets pots and pans a good cutting knife is key Um, and then as far as like staples that should be in your cabinet um, olive oil for cooking, for sure, um, and salt and pepper. You really don't need to go too crazy um, sometimes. I'm a big fan um, of my food scale so because that really helps me kind of dial in the accuracy on my nutrition. So I definitely encourage that as well. What, you don't like palm-sized portions? That's like, <laughs> that's what always gets me. I'm like, I have huge hands. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, the small Yes. <laughs> We're, don't, don't worry, guys. We, we've already gone to China to try to see what kind of the best food scale is the issue with this. So you guys are on it. We're also no. talking to some specially curated Japanese sword makers to bring you the softly cooking knife. Nice. Softly sushi knife? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <clears throat> we, uh, Only $1,300. Right? That's, a good, that's a good deal. That's a Man, good deal. We had sushi in New York last week, and uh, this dude had two knives. Like, that was it, you know? And uh, he had, like, a 9-inch knife and a 13-inch knife, razor sharp. Were they both black? They were not. Way to segue away from that. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Doug. Aaron looks uh, super thanks, embarrassed Doug. by that comment. Thanks, I was Doug. just saying, shout-out to Ian Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot keep you out of the gutter. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're like, uh, anytime anyone says anything's 9 inches around me, I'm like, man. Damn it, I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Aaron's flustered. He's turned red and doesn't think that this podcast is worth producing anymore. <laughs> Scrap this whole thing. This damn hour it, Doug. was wasted, Doug. Damn it. We have why do you have to ruin everything? <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> <laughs> that is partially true. Uh, it is actually partially true. Yeah. So after this, we're going to go downstairs and gut your Tesla so we can go street race it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Lisa, it was totally Doug's fault. (laughs) I could definitely blame anything on you at home. And I think Brent has shifted away from the the blame friend. (laughs) 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 Oh, this is totally Brent's fault. It's Doug. But but he's lovable and it's okay. Now it's Doug. I got to be careful though, man, because you're slowly clawing your way back to... Respectability. I wouldn't say respectability. Acceptable. That's probably never going to (laughs) happen. Acceptability is really the tolerability is the goal we're looking for. Relationship between myself and Aaron's wife is kind of dissimilar to like if um, B 
BB Netanyahu met with um, like <laughs> any previous member of the Palestinian Liberation Organization, and they spent enough time together to recognize that they were both meaningful human beings with like hopes and dreams and desires who love their kids. Oh. But at a fundamental level, they just they s- don't disagree on whose house it is. All right. All right. <laughs> don't agree. Don't. Uh, they don't do not. Agree. I said they don't, didn't I? So they don't disagree. No, they don't agree. This is double negative. Yeah, I yeah. do use the double. I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a fool. It's, it's I'm okay. We forgive you. right now. Anyway, <laughs> pulling it back just one, one more time. <laughs> um, so, Brooke, the other thing, though, is, I mean, where, like, where do you pull recipe inspiration from, for lack of a better term? You know, so the, I mean you aren't kind of going back to the same things over and over again. But also, I mean, one of the conversations that we had just yesterday was, you know, creating a meal plan with forethought so that when someone goes to the grocery store, they don't have 87 different things on their shopping list and this huge grocery bill of like all these, you know, items that maybe they're gonna have lots of leftovers or not use everything that they're buying. Um, and still, and be able to, you know, if people want to do meal prep all on one day for the week, they can, or if they want to cook throughout the week, they can. Um, you know, how do you kind of balance that, like using a smaller list of ingredients for the week, but also kind of keeping things fresh? Yeah, so I think when you go to the grocery store, it's going to be really overwhelming if you've got this list of like 50 things to get. So I think what you're going to see is more of themes. Like you're going to see a flavor theme. You're going to have a couple different grains, a couple different meats for a week. So that when you go to the store, it's not overwhelming. And then if you want to prep it all in one day or just a couple days a week, it's easier. Because I don't think it's realistic for some to think that someone's going to cook this like gourmet lunch and a gourmet dinner every single day. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things that we've seen from some like meal plans out there. I don't, I don't mean this like bash anyone or you know or anything in particular, but um, do it, do it. Name people in particular. <laughs> I'm not going to that um, Atkins diet. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. But I do think that it's really easy to kind of like you know pick recipes that are out there really more for creating like visual content either online or in magazines, but not for the ease of cooking or, you know, uh, even even taste, right? So, I mean, a lot of it's like cookbooks, you know, if you've ever, I don't know if I'm the only one in this room that's done this, but like if you've ever bought a cookbook from like a really famous chef, you like open that shit up and you're like, I cannot do 90% of what's in here. Right. Um, and I think most of that stuff is actually- I don't even know what most of those words mean. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I think that most of that stuff's probably geared towards other professional chefs. Um, but, yeah, it's really easy to put together these lists of, like, meals that sound really awesome but are either really hard to cook or, you know, have all these different components. You know, like, well, there's, like, a sauce and, like, six other things you have to cook separately. And, um, like you said, you can't really do that necessarily every day and especially not for most people for lunch where you're trying to, like, bring something to work and you don't necessarily have the ability to cook it there. So um, I'm really excited, obviously, to see kind of what's coming down the pipe, and I think people are going to dig it. So I am absolutely certain they are, based on what I have seen and tasted. Like I, I may or may not have experimented with some of the recipes that Brooke threw out in her test week, which I'm sure was not supposed to happen, but <laughs> super awesome. Yeah. Have you guys tried the protein pancakes? Those were my favorite, mm-hmm. peanut butter protein pancakes. I firmly object to protein pancakes because I hate pancakes. 
Really? Oh, yeah, my so kids good. make pancakes, and I'm like, fuck you. Stop making pancakes. You ruin everything. <laughs> How can you hate pancakes? How can you hate pancakes, Doug? Because I am a secret communist. Like, Obviously. Yeah. That's why I knew it. I knew <laughs> it. Yeah. You can't do that. Brian, Brian's chimes are gold. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get him a microphone next time. I know. I'm so sad sure. hey, uh, mic here. Are you going to fill the role of Scott the Engineer soon? Like, I'll just randomly bring you in. Like, here, uh, t- take this mic, Brian. Like, <laughs> yeah, we'll just... What you don't realize is like all of the audio effects I've been inputting, which you guys are to- right. totally unaware of. The slide a lot, whistle. A lot of sad trombones. <laughs> a lot of prices right losing horns. <laughs> it's just totally different feel. And the headphones on. Yeah. Right on. The this 3D is the, experience. This is the cost of bringing on someone to professionally you know, make sure that the podcast sounds produced. Well... But the other thing that we're also going to be touching on is like the issue of, or kind of topic, I guess, not really issue of food quality. Um, and that's something I think that we'll probably like request the support of uh, the butcher shop for, um, but also just kind of talk about, you know, that n- n- apples and apples aren't necessarily apples and apples, right? Um, that's not necessarily an organic versus non-organic. How does Brooke feel about that? <clears throat> Let's find out. <laughs> I'm all about this topic right now. I'm like nerding out reading a book about it. Um, this is especially true with animal products. Like it is like night and day. When you look at the nutritional component of them and the flavor, of, like the difference between really caring about food quality, where you get the meat, how it was cared for, what it ate affects the way it tastes. You know the, so. the best place to get your meat? The, the fucking woods. Yes. Well, exactly. I was like, I was like John is going to surprise me with something. All right. So look, she, the professional agrees. <clears throat> Nailed it. John. <laughs> what, about if I, what about if I pick it up by the side of the road? If it's a fresh kill, it still counts. Right yeah, man. Yeah. John, you'll have to come up uh, the hunting property this fall. Oh, I'd love to, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll tag some deer. Can you imagine having yeah. wild man John with us for the hog hunt? Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You want to come down to the hog hunt in February? We Absolutely. just launched it yesterday. Yeah, that'd be All great. Right. So stoked. We'll yeah. have you down there. Oh, Hell yeah. Shit. <clears throat> I'm so sad I'm going to be out of country I'm, for this. I'm <laughs> bummed you're going to miss this one, man. Like, seriously, every time that you post the hog hunt video, I get, like, reminiscent about the best adult vacation I've taken in my life. I'm pretty sure that if people don't sign up really soon, it's just going to end up becoming the, like, softly party. (laughs) (laughs) And that all all spots will just be filled by, like, softly and friends. That sounds good to me. Such a good time last year. And, um, you know, as much as I like to party with sluts in desert (laughs) countries, (laughs) I'm super sad that I will be missing partying with my boys and probably Rita. Like that was the right. the best part about last year was that, like, so I, I lead Go Ruck events sometimes, and uh, there's a female participant at a bunch of my events who is awesome. Like she's super. Like she's like, just she's a really demonstrative, straightforward Eastern European female. Uh-huh. And like she messaged me and was like. I have never been hunting before, but I want to learn, and I don't know where to start, and I don't trust any of the people around me, but I saw the softly hog hunt, and I want to know if I can come. And I'm like, oh, it's a lot of dudes. <laughs> and it's in, like, this rural, like, you know, like, hunting camp that's, like, nice, but, like, I'm going to have to ask Aaron, you know? And I, I sent her to Aaron, and she talked to Aaron, and they ca- talked back and forth, and Rita showed up and pretty much shamed every dude. Wow. Yeah, and even better, her first kill 
was like just in passing they they went past a side road and she saw some javelina down the road she told the driver to stop and back up and she took the shot out of the window of the truck and scope bit herself because oh yeah it's like she came back and she had this big grin on her face and she's in the truck and there's like blood crusted all over her forehead and nose and i'm like what happened to you and she was like i killed a pig and i was like no i mean what happened to you (laughs) (laughs) yeah man i mean really there's i think almost no better place for someone to go hunting for the first time yeah because the guides down there Artie, and the rest of the guys are super helpful like they want they get so excited you know these guys have been either hunting or guiding hunts for like 30 years right and so for them the most exciting thing is like bringing someone in that's never done it before seeing that reaction yeah yeah. a successful hunt um you know and then the other part of it is just being down there with guys that are you're in this crew of like people that are for the most part experienced hunters and also like really experienced shooters right so you able to come down there in the middle of the day when we kind of take a break from hunting and have the ranges set up. You know, it's like, dude, where else can you go and have, you know, like a, a sniper teach you how to, sh- get, yeah. you know, get on the long gun platform. Um, you know, our guys walk you through like pistol drills. I mean, a lot of this stuff is like you're getting one-on-one time with a dude informally that you would pay, you know, like 600 bucks for a class for. Right. Um, or, or watch a Navy <laughs> Top Gun pilot clean his clean and section his own meat because he's too cheap to have it done in a processing center. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and disagree with that. Five hours. Um, I watched the meticulous. I was like, you know what? Like, what so, are you doing, bro? And he's like, what I want to do? And I was like, that is an excellent answer. And then I sat there in the hot tub and watched him. I was like, I'm in, in the, the hot, hot tub. tub and he's, he's watching him work. I was like, this is impressive actually. So, this is my friend Joe. He's uh he's actually the squadron commander for an F-18 squadron in Virginia Beach right now. He's maybe Um, one of the coolest dudes. (laughs) Ooh, big deal. (laughs) No, he's actually a badass. (laughs) And just to, uh, yeah, Brian, what what Joe loves to say is that, like, dudes love soft guys, but chicks dig pilots. (laughs) I mean, it's totally true. I've literally never gotten laid because of my green beret. Oh, they, yeah, the F-14 pilot who was talking about how, like, there's, like, a rite of passage amongst fighter pilots where they actually have sex inside the intake cowl of their plane with Conquest. Oh, Brian's about to get on the mic. No, the story was that he, he was telling this story. We were in a bar in Austin, Texas, the Iron Cactus. He's telling this story about how he had just transitioned to Hornets from Tomcats. We said, do you like the new aircraft? He said, yeah, it's a great performing platform, but you can't get laid in a Hornet. And me and him looked at each other, and we thought, well, what does that mean? Does, like, the chicks, like, a, obviously a girl doesn't know the difference between F-14 and F-18, like, if you're at the bar. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, f- like there's physical limitations. <laughs> like, the starboard inlet, like, there's, like, very few places to fuck on a carrier. Right? Like, so you can't just, like, take a girl back to your, your ward room or whatever. So if, if you were very late at night, you could go sneak down to your aircraft and throw some blankets up in literally a starboard jet engine intake of an F-14. And fuck. He's like, the, 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 the port side had, like, little air sensors that were sticking up from the bottom, so it was uncomfortable, but the, the, the 
starboard side was good. He's like, but that is not the case in an F and A. It's like so now the only place you can fuck is like in between the decks. Like so if you like know the elevator operator that brings the aircraft up and down, there's like a crawl space you can like hop down in there. Jesus. So like how fucked up are you? Like two a.m. You're like with some girl. Like you know op, you're so obviously enlisted. Like you're breaking some law or whatever UCMJ policy, and you're hopping in between the decks to fuck. It's just the worst. Like you know, it's like going to a, it's going to like a by the hour <laughs> motel kind of thing. So yeah, but as he we're telling this story, as he's telling the story, women are starting to pop up in the bar like fucking meerkats, <laughs> looking over as he's loudly Is talking. He yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, so afterwards, it was like girls like like hovering like vultures and finally descended. And he was not an attractive fellow. No. And, and we're Dude, like, hey, I like shoot at people for a living. And they're like, hey, yeah, good, really good, nice story. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> cool story, bro. Manifestation of John J. Rambo. <laughs> eh, don't really care. Into not into that yeah. shit. Dude, Joe. Joe, on paper, is like the most stereotypical fighter pilot. You know, goes to Annapolis like with the dream of becoming a fighter pilot ever since he was a little kid. The, the Top Gun generation, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, like gets into flight school, gets into jets, gets into fighters, gets, you know, gets into F-18s. When he graduates from Annapolis, goes and buys himself a Corvette, you know, because he's got like no school debt. So he's this like Corvette driving fighter pilot. And yet, you know, he's like super nerdy, like always in sweatpants. I mean, just, I mean, he's an awesome guy. Doug can I attest did. to his. Uh, One of the finest human <laughs> beings I've ever met. A, never a moment passes without some like snarky, hilarious comments that is absolutely an intended jab at me. <laughs> but he got really into food and. We don't have time to go down all this rabbit hole, and I don't even know if this is part of it. But you know, one of his one of his girls got sick with cancer. Oh man! And uh, she's doing a lot better now. But I think that at at that time, and I, don't, I don't know if they were linked together. Joe really started to get interested in like gardening and like growing your own food and like you know hunting and that kind of stuff. Yep. And in that, you know, he he's just one of those guys that gets really into something, right? So. From hunting, it became like, why would I give this to the processor? Like, I want to know how to like really clean this, process it myself, like make sausage, do you know like charcuterie and curing and all that kind of stuff. So even when he comes down to North Carolina, like he's you know like in his Corvette with like all these like coolers packed in the back <laughs> and always takes stuff back. And you know, Patty, his wife, is texting me. She's like, "Thanks for bringing Joe down to go hunting." Like the last three days, like our whole kitchen's been set up with like. <laughs> <laughs> like the sausage grinder attachment yeah. to like the you know the KitchenAid food processor and like yeah. blah 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 and you know the, everything is like torn apart is like Joe's turned our kitchen into this like butcher shop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's like super into it. And when we you know when he kills a pig down in Texas, it's really easy. And I even you know I mean most people are just gonna like send their stuff off to the processor. Right. I actually really respect the fact that Joe is yeah. like no, I want to take this home and do it myself. And so. these days, there's something to be said for being. Being in, in control of where where that food is is yeah. from the, the moment you harvest it, right? No, so it's on your table. Well, this is all this is all another jab at me because I sent my meat to the processor. I do the same thing. And I was I, like, hey man, turn, I do the turn same all thing. The sausage, baby. Yeah. Those guys, <laughs> dude, their cheddar hot dogs are yeah. legit. Um, but speaking of that, and then we'll kind of wrap it up because we got to go. Um, one of the things talking about food quality, and I think that we probably see like less variants of this, or at least hopefully the food system is like is is checking this, but. You know, when we kill pigs down in Texas, it blows my mind. Every year, you know, we open some of the pigs back at the cleaning shed, and the guides are just like 
fuck, man. Like, you don't want to, you know, you see, like, either pigs that are, are like, really infected internally mm. or, like, have these, like, cancer or, like, abscess-type things. And it's like, dude, this meat don't is, eat like, that meat not yet. for consumption. Right. Um, and, man, you think about, like, is, you know, who's checking that shit at the grocery store? Nobody. Store, you know? Who's, I mean, when it's going through out of the factory, you know, feedlot, like, into yeah. the, the McDonald's line, like, who's, like, oh, this liver doesn't look right. Yeah. You know? So... Being able to see that is uh, is pretty pretty cool and definitely a plus for hunting. But uh, yeah, if you, we'll be if you don't if you don't quality. currently like pork, like this is a thing, right? Too. If you don't currently like pork, if you eat like well cared for, farm raised, like natural pork, it yeah. is a completely different eating experience. Yeah. Well, so I mean, it just looks you know like the the pork that we have at the butcher shop isn't white. It's like red. Pork isn't white meat. Yeah. You know, it's red. It's not as deep red as, as beef is, but it's like almost pink like. And veal. it is delicious. Yeah, it's the best. But on that note, we gotta wrap it up. So Yeah, man. Hey, thanks guys John, for joining us. Brooke, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. Good about stuff to come. to come. Yeah. All right. Right on. That's another episode.